Thanks to Ralph Volkman for reading our gospel this day. What phrases are you most known for? The things that you say all the time or things that you have said at various points in your life. Maybe there are things that are funny uh, that become the topic of every family gathering that people laugh about as they remember. Maybe there are things that are insightful, reflective, that become pieces of wisdom uh, to guide you or others throughout their life that you kind of hold on to and say as sort of a mantra of what to remember. Maybe there are things that have happened when you were on trips whether with your family growing up or um, maybe a church trip that you have been on. There's lots of funny sayings that happen on church trips. And sometimes the things that we say are words and phrases that we actually learn, The, the words and phrases that are a part of our faith, the faith that we walk through as we experience the the church year. And what I so love about our church year calendar is as we hear all of these stories of Jesus and his life and um, how it, it intersects with ours, there are so many rituals that become a part of these key moments in Jesus's life. And I think those are the things that also help us and give us words that we might not realize how important they really are. When I was younger, there uh, was a family that I used to babysit for that were also members at our church growing up. And every Palm Sunday, uh, there would always be a big procession into church and palm branches for everyone. And the kids would lead everyone in um, and we would sing. We would sing all of those great Palm Sunday songs. And we would say the word of Palm Sunday, which, according to which gospel you're in, but Hosanna, this word that meant save us. And so as people shouted Hosanna to the son of David, they were crying out their prayer and their hope and their praise that God was now doing something through Jesus, that God would be finally God's anointed king who had been promised, who had been foretold through the scriptures, and who would now come to change their world. But it didn't look like how they imagined. And uh, Messiah didn't necessarily mean king on an earthly throne. But did Jesus save? He absolutely did save us. And sometimes just having the word on our lips is all that we need. Even when we don't fully understand what it's going to look like, how it's going to come, or the fullness of what it will mean for our lives. Having the word Hosanna on our lips is sometimes all we need to be able to be a part of Jesus' story and live it out. 
So the family that I used to babysit for, uh, their fourth little child, uh, a little boy, I remember watching him uh, in the days after Palm Sunday when there were still palm branches at their house and the words that were on his lips as he processed all around his living room, into the kitchen, into the dining room, back around again through the living room were, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. He was singing his heart out to the songs that we sang in Sunday school that day. These words that mean save us, save us Jesus. I think he was about four years old at the time. And I'm sure had no idea what Messiah meant, what Savior meant, had no idea what the rest of Jesus' week was going to look like or how Jesus was going to save. But the words were on his lips and they were in his heart. And they were able to be lived out. What is it that you are known for saying? Maybe sometimes things come from your mouth that you wish hadn't come from your lips. But hopefully there are a lot of things that you do say that maybe are filled with a little encouragement or a little reflection or that maybe point us and others back to the holy always around us through this God who saves and loves and gives good things in our lives. One of the things that we also say at church so often, sometimes after someone has died, and so we say of their life and all of the gifts that they shared, thanks be to God. But those four words are also a phrase that we can say at just about any time in our lives, at any point during our week. We can say those words when something that we have been praying for comes to be in a way that um, is, is maybe good, that works out or brings healing Maybe even sometimes in a way that we didn't exactly pray for, but that brings us relief, that brings life, that brings a little hope again. Thanks be to God. We can say those words when something that we have been looking for has been found, whether it's a sheep or a coin or even a child. We can say Thanks be to God. We can say those words whenever it has felt as if we were all alone and we were surrounded by darkness. And then all of a sudden this little light shines from someone who comes into our midst. And we remember we're not alone and Jesus is always present. And we see it up close in person right in front of us in the words and the presence of that person. And we say, thanks be to God. Easter Sunday, last week, we have some additional words that we add to our hosannas. We add this Easter proclamation of good news that death has been defeated and that darkness cannot be overcome by the light. And so we say, Christ is risen. 
He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Those words can be on our lips, maybe when we worship, maybe when we're tapping our eggs together, and maybe those words can still be on our lips when we are just filled with joy, filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. When we are thankful for this life that we have here and now, and the life that is yet to come, when we are in God's presence, around God's table. Hopefully those are words that we can hold on to, especially when we most need them. Then we also come to Easter evening, as we heard today. And now you have to remember, we've switched Gospels. We had been hearing from Luke up until now. And then in the season of Easter, we hear the stories from John's Gospel, because we don't normally get to throughout the year. But John is a completely different gospel. It's written so much later than the other three. And it's written at a time after Jesus, like probably close to the turn of the century, 90 to 100 AD. So at least 50, 60 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. So much has changed. And you have to remember that by that point, the family of God's people were starting to get torn apart. Because they were the brothers and the sisters and the cousins and the aunts and the uncles and the moms and the dads who so clearly saw in Jesus God's work, God's Messiah. And then there were the part of the family that said, no, no, not Jesus. It's not, it's not the Messiah quite yet. We are still to wait for another. Because what they thought would happen is not what happened. And so they didn't see in Jesus who he was. And what happened is it created so much tension and pain and conflict that they started to push one another away. And they started to mistreat one another. And so that one part started to push one another out of the synagogues, out of their holy places of worship and learning. And it was really hard. And so that's why we hear about the disciples being gathered with the doors locked. Because they are afraid. They're afraid. Because what once had been family had been so pulled apart. And people had held so strongly to what it is that they believed and thought that they couldn't even hear what the other side believed and thought and understood themselves. And that's something 
That is so hard. And it happens here and now in our lives, in our families, in the places that we gather, in our church communities, in the places that we work. It happens as a society that we become so stuck on our beliefs and having it all figured out and having it right and having it exactly as we envision in our mind that we can't listen and we can't hear and we can't try to understand something from someone else's perspective. And it doesn't really lead us to any place good or healthy or productive. But then what happens? Jesus comes into our midst. Jesus comes into our midst and he gives us this incredible gift through these words. Peace be with you. These four words that we say all the time as we gather, peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you, and also with you. We say them so often that we might not even fully realize the power that those words have. Power not for harm, not for ill, but power to bring together. Power to bring a sense of God's spirit to calm our troubled hearts, to help us to see what we're not able to, to bring healing in ways that we can't on our own, to help bring stillness to our lives. Peace be with you. Those are such powerful words to have on our lips, even when we don't always fully realize or appreciate what they mean. They are words to have on our lips all throughout our lives to maybe share with someone as they approach the end of their life. Maybe in the midst of a conflict that we have had with someone that we just say, I wish you peace. Peace be with you. Maybe to say to somebody who has gone through a lot of struggles, who's not able to see all of the things that God wants them to see about themselves, all of the good that they are filled with. Peace be with you. Those are powerful words to have on our lips that Jesus gives to us and to all of those gathered that Easter evening. But then Thomas isn't there. And so, as the rest of them say, we have seen the Lord. Thomas wants to be able to see Jesus for himself. And so he says, unless I see the mark of the nail and see his hands and his side, I... I won't believe it for myself. But then what happens next is Jesus comes again. Jesus again appears in their midst because he knows it's something that Thomas needs. And he offers those same words, the same gift. Peace be with you. 
And then he even invites Thomas to do what he needs to do. But Thomas doesn't even have to go that far because in that moment, he's able to see Jesus for himself and believe that it's all real and true and that he's able to see this life that Jesus has now made possible through his own life. And Thomas proclaims, my Lord and my God, It's as if he says, thanks be to God. As he proclaims his confession of who Jesus is. And then as Jesus questions him just a little further, it might be in part for our own benefit. It might be in part for all of the people who first heard John's gospel, who were so many years out from having met Jesus, from having walked with him, from having heard his stories firsthand, from having experienced all of these things with their own eyes. For them and for us, how is it that we are going to believe any of these stories? How is it that any of these stories about Jesus and his life, how are they going to shape us and impact us? how we live, what we believe, what we do, what we say. How are they going to lead us to the purpose that God has for us? To be people of life who seek to share that life with everyone we can and who hold on to the promise that this life is just a small part of the life that is yet to come. How is it that any of us will believe? Sometimes it's really simple. Sometimes it's through the stories and the words of the people around us. I remember one time interviewing someone, and I asked them, how is it that you have come to believe in Jesus? And this person in their upper 80s, just looked at me and said, well, I've seen pictures of him. They've seen pictures, probably all different sorts of pictures, as people have tried to come up with an image to hold on to of this Jesus. Sometimes it can be as simple as that. Sometimes it comes after lots of years of struggle or questioning or trying to understand and trying to figure things out and then choosing it for ourselves because we see it lived through the example of the people around us, through the stories that they tell, through the words that they have on their lips and through what they do. What I love last about John's gospel is that he makes mention that these are just some of the stories. These are just some of the things that Jesus has done. But there are so many others that haven't been written. And you know what? Those stories continue even in our lives. Because Jesus always comes into our midst. Wherever we are gathered, wherever we remember, whenever we call upon his name. Jesus appears in our midst and he shares peace with us and he shares his life with us. 
And even if we don't fully understand what it all means, they are still gifts we receive. So this day, what story will you tell? And what words will be on your lips of this Jesus who makes life here and now and yet to come possible? The only thing that I can think to say is Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Thanks be to God.